I'm uh, so glad to be back again. And, uh, for the first time, I preached here in, uh, in January, and then God opened up a door in April. And then again, I received a message from Pastor Kyle that, can you please come on August 28th? And uh, I feel it, uh, it's, a, it's a joy always for me to, to share from God's Word. And, uh, and Pastor, I'm really thankful for Pastor Kyle because he always remembers me uh, to share uh, in this church. Uh, so today, he told me, I think you're going through the season, uh, you say summer in, in the Psalms, right? Something like that. So uh, we'll be looking from uh, Psalms 23 today. And before we, we move ahead, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for being our Lord, our Father, our King, our Shepherd. And we come in unity. We come, Lord, in humility, Lord. And we just want to surrender to learn from you, God. I am your unworthy servant, Lord, and I ask you for your favor, for the power of the Spirit, Lord, to lead each one of us in the way that pleases you, Lord. And if there's anything that you dislike in our lives, and that displeases you, Lord. We just pray that talk to us today and help us, Lord, to, to be strengthened by the power of your word, to be renewed and refreshed by the showers of the Holy Spirit in our life, Lord. And I give myself into your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have uh, something on the screen like the, the Psalms 23 or anything like that? Okay. So, uh, I'm really glad to, to share from this psalm because this is one of the very popular psalm in the Sunday school. The kids, they learn, they, they memorize this psalm. And um, when Pastor Carl told me that we need to go through um, one of the psalms, I chose this specifically because uh, I had already preached it somewhere and it was so, um, so refreshing for me as well to to go back to when David wrote this and what would be in his heart when he, when he wrote these words. So let's begin not wasting time in this. So it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. So the first thing is that Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When he's my shepherd, he owns the sheep. Shepherd is the one who owns the sheep. It's not the sheep who owns the, the shepherd. It's not the sheep that purchases the shepherd. It's not the sheep who buys the shepherd, but it's the shepherd who actually owns the sheep. And Bible says that he purchased us with his blood, and he says that you are not your own. I have bought you with the price. So we'll just uh, compare uh, from the very beginning with the gospel. Because if there's no gospel in what we are learning, if there's no Nothing about Jesus, if we're learning, then there's no, no use of it. So it says that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And because he's my shepherd, we'll never lack anything. We'll never have to worry for anything. The shepherd cares and loves his sheep. And he has paid the price for us, for all things. 
Just remember, and, and let's just think, that when a shepherd, he buys a sheep, he buys it with the intention to take care of it and all the responsibilities that come with buying that sheep and purchasing that sheep. Like if there's any problem with that sheep, it's, if it's ill, if it's sick, and if it's hurt, it's the responsibility of the shepherd to take care of the sheep. It's not just he's buying it for the wool. He's purchasing it, taking the responsibility of anything and everything until the end of that, the life of that sheep. So, when we say that the Lord is my shepherd, or when David said this, the Lord is my shepherd, what would be in his heart? How would he be thinking of it? Because he himself was a shepherd before being the king, and he, he knows that. So, I will just, uh, uh, there are so many things that God taught me through this uh, psalm, but I'll just mention a few, like the, uh, uh, the first two, three verses. There was a, a, a shepherd by the name Philip Keller. He's a modern-day shepherd in B.C. And uh, because he was a shepherd, he just made some uh, interesting observations, and I will just want to read it for you. The second verse says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So the interesting thing is, have you seen sheep lying down? Has anybody seen the sheep lying down? Can you say yes or no? <laughs> because usually we see the sheep, they are just standing. Because lying down, when the sheep lies down, there are reasons when it lies down. So there are four interesting observations that Philip Keller, this modern-day shepherd, gives. He says that sheep lie down when they are free from fear. Owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free from all fear. Let's read from the Bible, 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. It says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. We are like him already in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So when we read this psalm, we already think that we are the sheep and Jesus is the shepherd. We already have that picture in our mind because we have been raised with that mindset. We have been raised and we understand because Jesus says that he is the good shepherd and we are the sheep. And so we, whenever we read this, or at least when I read this, uh, I think of myself as a sheep. And such a beautiful picture it would have. Do we have that picture of a shepherd or sheep? Yeah, see, it's so beautiful. And we always think of ourselves in relation to our relationship with Jesus, that we are the sheep and he's the shepherd. He's caring for his sheep. And so if we consider ourselves as sheep, then the first thing to remember is that sheep will lie down 
It's not about just being the sheep of that shepherd, but it's about that when, uh, when David writes this thing, that the, he makes me lie down in the green pastures and he leads me besides quiet waters. For that, to lie down, we have to be free from all fear. And all fear is gone when we walk in the love because God is love. Last time, you remember, I made this statement that it's not that God just loves us, but he is love. Nothing else can come out of him except love. So he loves us no matter what. Because God is love. The second point that this shepherd makes is that the sheep will lie down when there is no tension with others of their kind. The sheep will lie down when there is no tension with others of their kind. Let's read John chapter 13. Verses 34 and 35. And it says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is very important, that we love one another. And it says that you must love one another. In verse 34, part B, it says, As I loved you, so you must love. Must is, the, we don't have any option. And, and this love that we have for our neighbors, it should not come out just, you know, from outside, just to show. But it should come out from deep within our spirit. Not just when that person is just in front of us, but even when he's absent. That kind of love. Loving them wholeheartedly as Christ Jesus loved us. This is the second point that we, we need to understand, that we have no tension with the others of our kind, others in our family. Not having the superficial love relationship, but having it from the core of our hearts. That's when the sheep lie down, and they can lie down only when there's no tension. Third point is that the sheep will lie down when they are not tormented by flies or parasites. They will only lie down when they are not tormented by any kinds of flies or parasites. You know, if you could uh, read Psalms 91, you know that whole psalm, it's a, it's a wonderful psalm, where it says, that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress. In the verse 5 to 7, it says, you will fear you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. And this happens only because we dwell in the shelter of the Most High. Those who consider God to be their refuge and those who consider God to be their fortress, and when we say fortress, it's living in the walls of that fortress, living within that refuge. Like it's not, we cannot say that there's my fortress, there's my refuge, and we are, you know, out of that refuge. It's living within the walls of that fortress. That's when we are safe in the shelter of the Most High God. 
And those are the people who will be safe from all kinds of torment of the flies and parasites and everything and anything that is against us. It's very easy to understand with, with our, uh, you know, knowledge, grasping the things of the word just with the, with the worldly knowledge. But practically taking it in our lives is what God wants. There have been so many incidents and you also uh, uh, probably experienced those things. That when we come, when we approach God with a childlike faith, then we see the things which we cannot comprehend. We cannot imagine how God can do it. But if we, if we will think just logically all the things, maybe we'll miss the real uh, things that God can do for us. So the sheep will lie down when they are not tormented by flies or parasites. The fourth point is that the sheep will lie down when they are free from hunger. When they are completely satisfied, only then they will lie down. Otherwise, they will just keep on grazing. They will keep on eating. They will keep on moving. Because they are not satisfied. But what does the Bible say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, uh, verse 6? It says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. They shall be filled. And when we are filled, when we are satisfied with the righteousness, uh, righteousness of God and the love of God and His presence... Will not hunger. First seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And everything that we need, it will come following us. God will fill us and satisfy us with everything. But we need to be satisfied. Only then we can lie down. And I think, you know, David experienced all these things. Being a shepherd himself, he knew the nature of the sheep. He knew what they feel, what they want, when they want, where they want. He knows everything being a shepherd. And now he's a king and still he compares his life with the life of a shepherd and a sheep. And he addresses God as a shepherd. Because he knows how the sheep feel. And he knows how the shepherd feels. And how with the heart of that shepherd, how God is caring for him. You know, if you take the examples from the Bible, you know, from uh, Paul and Silas in the prison. Their backs were hurting. They had been beaten. They were sitting on the cold stone floor. Hands and feet tied. Completely in pain. But still they had the capacity to worship in the midnight. It's impossible. They are still praising God as if they are sitting in a five-star hotel. <laughs> no problem at all. Nothing can stop them from worshipping God. Why? Because they were satisfied in the presence of their shepherd. Secondly, we talk about David, who was pursued by his own son Absalom. He was somewhere in the field, David. And Absalom was somewhere, you know, with that hostile army, wanted to kill. But he lies down, Bible says he lies down and contently he sleeps. How is that possible? That he, you know that somebody is chasing you and he wants to kill you. And still when you lie down, you lie down just like a child. In the bosom of your mother. No worries at all. It's because he knows that God is my shepherd. And nothing can harm me. And in fact, these things are very easy to talk. But the thing is that if you want to experience that, we need to have a faith like David. We need to have that love like David. That hope like David. And we can learn these things. I can learn these things from David. Thirdly, if we see... Our Lord Jesus, 
a small boat and such fierce waves and the storm going on. But Jesus is quietly sleeping, sound sleep in the back of that boat. How is it possible? Disciples are worried. They have so many questions. They have so many tensions and they are saying that, Jesus, don't you care for us? Is it really like he doesn't care? But he was sleeping because he knows he's in the hands of his father. He knows he's in the hands of his shepherd, Father God. So nothing can stop you to have that sound sleep. Nothing can stop you to enjoy the presence of your Lord, your Savior, your King, your Father, your Dad, Father, God. Completely satisfied in their Father's peace and presence. These, these wonderful ex uh, examples can really help us to figure out our relationship with God, the Father, who's our shepherd. You know, behavior is one's response to its surroundings and circumstances. All the behavior that we have, it's our response to our surroundings and circumstances that we're going through. And understanding of this sheep behavior is essential to get rid of the idea that sheep are a, a stupid animal. In India, you know, there's a word we call in Hindi, they call it bhed chal. Bhed chal means, it, it's not used positively. It's like, you know, when one sheep is going somewhere, all the others will follow. So it's a dumb animal, it's a stupid animal, so it, it's used in that sense. But if we understand the sheep behavior, it's essential to get rid of this idea that sheep are the stupid animals. They're not stupid. Because if Jesus is saying that I am a good shepherd, you are my sheep, there's something very important about that sheep. And if David is writing this whole psalm mentioning that God is my shepherd and we are his sheep, then there's definitely a very, very important thing to understand that if we are sheep, we are not stupid. We are not dumb animals. We are not just walking without the knowledge and sense what the Spirit is saying. But it's very important to understand. When sheep move, no, the first thing is the sheep are the best known for their strong flocking and following instinct. They are known for their strong flocking. It's very important. This shows that we live together. That, that's why, you know, I believe when David got by the, uh, you know, by the Spirit's uh, move, David wrote these words. God knew that we'll be reading these Psalms hundreds and thousands of years even later on. So this is a very good analogy. It's a very good parable to understand. Strong flocking and following instinct. They are, there is safety in numbers and unity. There is safety in, in unity. Psalms 133 verse 1. Can we read that? It's so quiet. You know, so. If you just say, hmm, huh, then I'll feel satisfied. Okay, Psalms 133 verse 1. How pleasant... And good it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like a precious oil poured on the head, running down on the, be on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It's very important. There is safety in unity. And not just safety. It's the anointing, the flow of the anointing, the presence of God in the lives of, the, of those people who live together. It's easy to live with our family. 
I don't know whether I mentioned this thing last time, but I usually say it in my church that my family is a small church, but my church is my big family. Can you say that? Can you repeat it after me? My family, can you repeat it? My family is a small church. And my church is my big family. Isn't it amazing? We belong to a big family. But in my family at home, we are a small church. We live like that. But when we come here, we come as a big family. It's very important. And the enemy knows the power of unity. The enemy knows flocking together, what, what power it has. Secondly, when one sheep moves, the rest will follow. Definitely, this is one of the, the behaviors of the sheep. But there's one thing to even understand, that we are also responsible for something. When one sheep moves, others will follow. Because we are the sheep, and God called us sheep. So if we are moving somewhere, and if that somewhere is a wrong direction, then we are responsible. Remember that hundreds and thousands of eyes are watching us all the time, even if we don't realize. Hundreds of ears are hearing what we are saying. It's easy for me to preach here, nice words. But there are so many eyes that are watching me. There are so many ears that are hearing me. There are so many hearts that are trying to figure out what kind of a person I am. And if I miss that, preaching here is easy. But if with my behavior... If I'm moving in one direction and the, and the other sheep are following me and that direction is not from the Lord and it's not the way of Jesus, then I'm responsible for that. I need to understand. I always say, then when people, people will be talking about us. Maybe you would have talked about me when I preached in January, when I preached in April, you would have talked. Whatever you would have talked, that should give glory to God. Whenever people talk, in your absence, in their homes, or to or their friends or anybody, Jesus should be glorified. Whenever people talk about us. Because we are the representatives of the kingdom of heaven. We should not be good just in our words. Bible says that you are the light of the world. And your light should so shine in this world that they may see your good works. And they should glorify your father in heaven. It's very easy to speak good words. It's very easy to even copy things and impress people. But it's all about how we live in our family, how we live in our neighborhood. And I'm so thankful, brother mentioned, you know, that we need Punjabis here. We need Punjabis here. And it's not just enough to pray for them. Prayer is a priority, definitely. But it's not just praying for those people. After prayer, we need to move. And remember one thing I always say. Don't just think that this person who is standing here and preaching is the savior of this Punjabi community. I'm not. Jesus is the savior and we all need to work in collaboration to see the mighty movement of God come through in this community. We all will have to work together. We all will have to come together. So if anybody of you knows your Punjabi neighbors, you can invite me. Invite me for coffee or even food, no problem. <laughs> I would come. But let's talk. Let's share the love of Jesus with them. Let them see. You know, we were walking, me and my wife, we were going for a prayer walk in the vicinity where we live. In that neighborhood, there's one church. 
And we, as we were walking, there was a Punjabi lady who came out. And she started conversing with my wife. And then she asked, so what do you do? What does your husband do? So she told that he's a pastor. He was a pastor in India. Here also he's connected with many churches. And she doesn't know what a pastor means. And where she lives is, when, you, when you, she will open her like front door, there's a church just in front of her. And she doesn't know what a pastor means. They don't know, Punjabi community doesn't know what happens within the wall of these churches. Because the Sikh temples and the Hindu temples, they are open 24-7, 7 days a week. All the time it's open. Whenever you want to go and pray, they can do it. But church is open only for 3-4 hours on Sundays. They don't know what goes in, in the churches. All they have are the ideas, the, the, the empty understanding that these are the, this is the religion of white people. The immoral things. All they see, view Christianity is the immoral things. This is not a part of my sermon, but I just want to mention this thing. Very clearly. One of my friends, you know, I preached in one churches, and one of the person from that churches, he works uh, in his workplace. He invited me because there are like three Punjabi ladies working, uh, like colleagues. And, and he invited me because those colleagues said that we want to meet this guy whom you say is a, is a pastor, coming back from, uh, from a sick background. So they thought that I, I was the person who was sick and I accepted Jesus. So they had this question that what motivated me to leave Sikhism and accept Christianity. But I'm a third generation. I mentioned all those things. But you know what did they say? They say, you know, that there are these people, Jehovah Witness people coming, knocking at our doors. And we are so angry with them, our community don't like because they don't know what Jehovah Witnesses. They don't know what Mormons is. For them, it's all Christian people. They said these people came on the first day they knocked. And they said something about God and the Bible. And, and then they came again second day. So they opened on the first day. Like these host people, they had smile. On the second day, their smile was gone. Because these people came again asking, Oh, can we spend some time with you? Third day again they knocked. And they said that we yelled at them, we spoke bad. We said that, why would we leave our father and accept your father as my father? So these guys are burning all the bridges that we can even make. But again, I want to remind you that we should not fill our hearts and minds with these ideas that this is a very difficult task to do. Nothing is difficult. With the power of God, we can do anything and everything. But all we need to go is with the, with the heart and the character of Jesus. My voice is same. Is it working? Oh. We just move in the Spirit's power. We just move with the love of Jesus. We, we move with the heart of a shepherd. And we can see the things with, that we cannot even understand and we cannot even comprehend. God is going to do that. These empty chairs should be filled with all kinds of people, even Punjabis, because this church is right in the middle of all the Punjabi neighborhood. They should come and see what happens here. Let's come together to do this. Sheep are very social animals. But Corona created social distancing, see? But we as Christians should understand. We need to be wise, definitely. But we also need to understand that the enemy wants us to distance socially. But why does God say that we are sheep? Because sheep are known for 
flocking together. And if we think, you know, we can do everything online, how are we going to express our love to our neighbors? How are we going to show forgiveness? How are we going to show kindness online? Can we? No. We need to get together. We need to flock together and let people see. Anything and everything could be done. You know, I'll tell you, this is uh, not disobedience, but uh, yeah, we Indians make some modifications. <laughs> and during the COVID time, government said that we cannot gather. But we had so many of new converts, we didn't want to lose them. So I, or we had to just go, you know, secretly and visit those people. I'm sorry, you know, I've already begged pardon from God too. <laughs> and even you don't think that, you know, this missionary is not a... The... But, you know, then we started to gather too. They said 50 people can gather. But still we would have 100 people. Cannot stop them. And, you know, during the whole COVID season, not a single person got this, got this virus. Nobody was sick from our church. Nothing happened. And I just want to thank God for this. Maybe it's an exception for us. I'm not saying, you know, we need to be wise, but we need to understand that the sheep are very social animals. And we are the sheep of God. Sheep are one of the earliest animals to be domesticated. You know, see, Jesus said that, you know, He's a good shepherd and he will uh, leave the 99 together to find the, the one that is lost. Because he knows that these 99 will not fight, fight and kill each other. That's why he's leaving. The shepherd is leaving those 99 and going to find that one. That's how the shepherd, our shepherd trusts us. We are sitting here together, all glory to God. But he wants to seek the ones who are lost. They need to hear the gospel again and again. They need to hear who Jesus is. They should not think that Jesus is the one having white skin and blue eyes and blonde hair and beautiful, handsome looking guy. We are the ones who are going to tell them how Jesus is, how he looks, because we portray his life. Sheep have five, five basic senses like us. As a prey animal, sheep must have excellent senses to ensure their survival. I'll read it again. Please be careful. As a prey animal, we are living in this world which is full of darkness and evil. And the enemy is, you know, actively working here. And as a prey animal, sheep must have excellent senses to ensure their survival. And same with us. We need to have excellent senses. The sight, hearing, smell, touch, taste. Can we read Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 please? Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14. It says, uh, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. This is NIV. In the, in the KJV it says, even those who by re reason of use have their senses exercised 
to discern good and evil. Maybe we don't understand all the things right away, but we exercise our senses. We exercise what we see spiritually. We should have that, that Lord, I want to see, I need to have the fresh revelations. I want to hear you, Lord. I want to speak for you, Lord. I want to live for you, Lord. I want to touch the things which I cannot touch with my natural things. We need to have that. We need to exercise our spiritual senses to be safe, to ensure that we are, we are moving in the right direction. And we need to use our basic senses. In the second verse it says in Psalms, coming back again, He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. Pastures and waters. Both are plural word. So what does that mean? It means that our shepherd, our God, he doesn't lack supplies. He doesn't lack places. He doesn't lack opportunities. Doesn't lack anything. Like if one pasture is over and there's no food, he will lead us to the other one. It's not just he leads me, uh, makes me lie down in green pasture or he takes me beside quiet water. No, it's plural. There's no lack of anything. He has too much, more than enough for us. So if we have lost an opportunity, don't worry. He has another opportunity for us. If it's over here, he's going to take us to a new place. Just like sheep, we too have to rely on our shepherd to take us to the next place of greenery. Yet we often keep our gaze focused on the ground, unaware that we are no longer in that place of peace, eating lush and green food. Our shepherd calls us to move to the next pasture, but we often do not hear him. We think, you know, we like this, we want this, but we have nothing. We don't have peace now. But maybe the shepherd is leading us to a different pasture now. He wants to take us to a new place. Are you in the place of dryness, dirt, unrest? Let's start to follow the shepherd once again. If we feel that we are not able to hear his voice, he still loves us and he wants us to start again. You know, um, I, I don't have much time, but, you know, verses 3, 4, and 5 says, He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, when I was a kid, I used to always think, the image that I got from this verse was that he, uh, he, he prepares a table before me. That means like even my enemies will be sitting on that table and we'll be sitting together and everything will be nice and you know, we'll have reconciliation or something, you know, good terms with our uh, enemies. But actually, what does it mean? It says that he prepare, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's like when we go to the restaurant. There's somebody who will clean the table for us. There's somebody who will come and attend us. He'll prepare a table for us. That's the job that Jesus is doing for us. Even being a shepherd for us, he's preparing table for us in the presence of our enemies. That means where we have been shamed, we will be honored in the presence of our enemies. Just because we have made Jesus our shepherd. Just because we have trusted and relied on him. We don't need to prove that we are right. 
if we are right, Jesus is going to honor us. He is going to prepare that table for us in the presence of our enemies. Amen? He's going to do that for us. All our shames will be gone. And verse 6 says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Surely, without a shadow of a doubt, he's going to do that for us. You know, the interesting thing is, verses 1, 2, and 3. Can you see in your Bibles? Or, or on the screen, yeah. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Then he leads me beside. Then the third verse, he restores my soul. He guides me for his name's sake. The first three verses, David talks about him. He restores my soul. He is my shepherd. He leads me. He makes me lie down. But from the fourth verse, four, five, and six, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You know how I picture this? It's like he's telling us first. He is my shepherd. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. But then in fourth words, he turns from, from the people he's trying to explain. He turns his face towards his shepherd. And he says, you, what is in verse 4 says? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head. So amazing. This psalm starts with the decision of making God our shepherd. And it ends with the destiny that surely we will live with him forever. It starts with the decision and it ends with the destiny. What a relationship David had. With his Godfather. That he's, it's, it's like he cannot now control himself or his emotions. That now he's not referring to him as he, he, but he's saying you because he's, he's facing his shepherd. And in those three verses, he mentioned that you are with me, Lord. You comfort me. You prepare a table for me. You anoint my head. Here, he is with me. And there, I will be with him. That's the, the last destiny of love that when we both look to each other. That is the last destiny of love that we have with Jesus. It's not about, he is my fortress, but you are my fortress. He is my God, you are my God. That's the relationship that God wants from us. And that's how we need to walk as sheep following our shepherd. Having our senses exercised properly to distinguish between, discern between what is good and what is, what is evil. So I don't have anything more to say except just having that kind of relationship with, with our God and Father. Just one more thing that the Spirit is reminding me, I would just say and then I'll pray and close. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, there was a tree which was forbidden. What was that one? They should not eat from the tree of the knowledge of say again please good and evil. The knowledge of both good and evil, not just evil. So what God taught me is it's not for us to figure out what is good and what is evil. What is good and better and best. 
That was not the main thing. The main thing was obeying what God has said. It was the knowledge of both good and evil. They didn't get the knowledge only of evil. They got the knowledge of what is good and evil. So what God wants us to understand that our priority is obeying even if we don't understand or even if we don't like. But the problem is we try to choose from what is good and what is evil. It's all about obedience. It's all about following Jesus. It's all about making him our shepherd. It's not about trying to figure out, Lord, this is 2,000 years ago. Now this doesn't work in this modern day. This seems good. It's all about what Bible says. It's all about following the Spirit. It's all about having Him as our shepherd. Amen? Amen. Should we pray? Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you. What an amazing shepherd we have. We will not be in any want. And why should we? Because your word says that blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness' sake. They'll be filled. They'll be satisfied. We are satisfied and we want to be satisfied, Lord. We just want to grow in you every day. Lord Jesus, we just pray that you lead us and guide us and teach us to obey you. Teach us to love people. Teach us to love our God. Lord, I pray that give us the heart to pray for the people until we pray with the people. Teach us, Lord, to pray for the Punjabis until we pray with the Punjabis, Lord. Use each one of us here, Lord Jesus. These empty chairs should not remain empty in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, let these seats be occupied. Let your kingdom expand, Lord, through our lives, Lord. We submit and surrender our lives, Lord. You are our shepherd, and we being your sheep just want to follow you, just want to obey you, just want to be led by you every single step. Mighty God, we surrender our lives, Lord. Thank you for, for this day, this time, that you used your unworthy servant, Lord Jesus. I give everything into your hands, Lord. All glory and honor belongs to you, Lord. And I even surrender this, this congregation into your hands, Lord. I believe that you would have taught somebody or all what you wanted to share, Lord, at this time. Give you all glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.